Hello, this is Harrison Kim, and you're listening to Working with People by Pavestep. The Working with People podcast is for executives, managers, and people leaders. We bring people experts together to provide you with relevant content on how to think about and manage your most important asset, your talent. We have Delphine here today with us. Hey, Delphine, how are you? I'm great. How are you? I am good. Happy Friday. Absolutely. It's a rainy one, but it's great. <laughs> Where are you calling in from? Birmingham, Alabama. So we're just getting the storm in, but nothing bad. Awesome. Well, I'm really excited to have you here. And, and we just chatted before we started recording. It seems like we have a good mutual friend. Hopefully he'll listen to this one and it'll, it'll resonate and he'll have a good time. I will make him listen to it. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Perfect. So um, first, well, tell us you know, who you are and what you do. So I'm Delphine Carter. I'm CEO and founder of Bulo Solutions. Bulo means work in French. And Bulo is a career mobility platform for women, mostly mothers. And our goal is to keep women in the workforce and help them get back into the workforce if they did take the off-ramp for caregiving requirements. But Bulo does that through offering flexible jobs. So we match women with flexible job opportunities. We do AI-driven career pathing and have created an ecosystem of professional support. So yeah, that's going to be our main topic today, which is flexible work and how it can increase woman contribution and just women in general in the workplace. So can you talk a little bit about gender diversity gap in working? How many women and men have to pick between their professional lives and or versus family lives? It's a rough stat once you start hearing it. I'm going to rattle off a few of them, but don't fixate on the numbers. It's more so to show how significant mm -hmm. this is. And so women leave before they hit the C-suite over three times the rate of men, so 24% versus 7% because lack of flexibility. 37% of women leave the workforce when they become mothers, but 95% of them want to come back, hmm. and they're looking for flexible jobs to come back to, but they're really struggling to find those opportunities. As a result, three out of five women have nonlinear professional careers, so their resumes kind of shuck and jive with what's going right. on in their lives. And so the job boards don't surface them. The algorithms just aren't savvy enough to pick up on their strengths and their qualities. And so with men, it's just a little bit of a different story, right? They don't, if they don't have the same pressures. We do see that 7% of men are leaving to be the caregiver of mm -hmm. a family, and that number is steadily increasing. That's a pretty significant difference. On this point, one of the things that I want to define potentially for our audience is how do you think about flexibility? What is flexible work? How do you think about that? That's, that's such a great question. It's almost like one of the greatest buzzwords going on right now. And <laughs> flexibility is really just allowing people to perform at the most opportune time for their lives. So you and I have goals that we have to reach. Mm -hmm. I've set mine for Bulo. You've set yours for your group. And however I reach that goal should be on me. And so that is the definition of flexibility. It could be that they work part-time or they work off peak hours or they've got the ability to work remotely. You know, that's not quite as important right now because we're all doing it by force. Yep. Um, that maybe they can do contract work. So companies look at labor through a contract lens instead of always a full-time employee. More personal or sick days, uh, flexibility dropping off or picking up kids. And to take right. it out of the women perspective, my brother, he's an engineer, like amazing developer. He works best in the evenings. And so they've worked with him and said, okay, come in at 10, be there for meetings, and then work as late as you want. Right. Um, and that's how they get him to reach his goals. Right, right. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. So 
if you think about the companies today, right, um, to what extent or how has the flexible workspace allowed for an increase in women in the workplace to date? It's meant so much more for the females because they can now choose when to focus on their professional selves or on their caregiving side. So as a mother, for example, I can say, I've got customers coming in town. I'm going to go to this dinner and we're going to entertain them and we're going to close that deal. Mm -hmm. And then tomorrow I'm going to get off at two when I pick my kids up and I'm going to hang out with them to make up for not putting them to bed or being around. And it's really taking the guilt off the female Hmm. of still being there for the kids, but also just wanting to be a badass in their career. And the majority of women uh, that graduate from Ivy League end up dropping out of the workforce because they're so type A, they can't stand at failing at anything. Mm -hmm. And so they always feel like they're pulled in two different directions. That makes sense. So for a lot of organizations, maybe not a lot, but some are definitely a little bit more hesitant on hiring employees, particularly parents that want flexible working. And obviously with this remote work trend in the recent months, that has definitely started to change and shift a little bit. But what are some of the advantages in offering flexible work in your mind so that they can really think about this as a, not just as a feel good, nice thing to do, but as a real business case and something that's actually critical for their business? Oh, it's the biggest thing that I'll say is if you've got a manager who is leading their team by counting the hours that their butt is in a seat, you're Mm -hmm. not getting the highest, best use out of those people. So while it might take some more time on the front end, giving every single employee a goal or KPIs, you know, you can call them KPIs or GNOs, whatever you want to name it. If you tell them you're going to be evaluated, not by the time that you're in your seat, but by reaching these firm metrics, it gets the people to be really high performers and takes out this time management aspect. And so you'll end up getting higher outputs because you've set goals and metrics for people to reach. Right now, millennial males and females both expect to have flexibility. And so if you are a company that doesn't offer flexibility, you're going to have a massive retention problem. You might attract them, but you're going to have a high turnover. And so turnover costs are expected by 2025 to reach $245 billion in the U.S., Offering flexibility is a really cheap way to save big. Right. That absolutely makes sense. Yeah. And especially if you think about just the, you know, millennials, the fact that they're, I think still the, I mean, they are the largest generation in the workforce today and they will be for the next several years. And even just the fact that the way naturally they've turned over more often than other generations in the past, uh, typically, right? So it's. Yeah, they're not staying in it as long. That's true. And then there was a phase where everybody culture was defined by these extra perks that you got in the office. (laughs) The millennial, I mean, meals, laundry, all that stuff. Millennials don't, that is not their focus. They don't care about the titles. They don't care about the salary. They don't care about those perks. They care about career progression, doing something that makes them feel like they're contributing. And then also the ability to keep their personal selves, so flexibility. Right, right. Yeah, that absolutely makes a lot of sense. So a lot of people today are working from home these days for at least for a part of their lives. Have you seen any unique or great types of policies that organizations have implemented and that have worked well? Have you seen any of those that is worth highlighting? 
Yeah, there was one that actually came out, which, by the way, I heard somebody say this, and I thought it was genius. Maybe I saw it on Instagram where all those good little things come from. But it was, <laughs> we are not working from home. We're living where we work. And so what recently came out was it was a signature line in somebody's text that said, if you're receiving this email outside of your working hours or when you've carved time out for personal, please don't feel obligated to respond until you are ready. And so it is putting boundaries on yourself. And as a company, so let's say I'm a team lead, I can say, I'm going to send this email at 3 a.m. because that's when my brain works and that's when I'm able to knock it out. But there is no expectation for you to respond at that exact same time. So I'm going to work at my best time. You work at your best time and we're all going to succeed. But the same thing with the work from home. When COVID first did, I had a neighbor whose manager was reviewing every single little thing that they did all day. And what a horrible use of his paycheck, right? right. Like who needs that? And so by establishing those KPIs and those GNOs that we talked about, you're now taking people out of time management and, and just that minutia and putting them back to the highest, best use. So put down the goals is the number one thing so that you don't feel like you have to see when did that person log in through the VPN? When were they on the Zoom? Did they have their video on? Let's measure the real things. Right, right. And I think yeah, one of the things that we mentioned in one of our guidebooks was, are you checking Slack or Teams to, just to see if your team is on? <laughs> um, that's, that's right. You know, and I worked for a company, very successful, had a massive exit. They were really bad about making decisions through Slack in the middle of the night. And so if you weren't on top of it and constantly watching, you could totally miss a massive decision that you needed to have influence on. So it's really Slack is meant for communication. It is not where you should be making any major decisions on your product roadmap, on your financials, anything like that. So um, just balancing the use of Slack is super important, too. Yeah, I think it's like the one thing that you mentioned that really resonated with me is just really carving out time so that you have your work hours versus your personal hours. Um, and I think a lot of people struggled with that in the very beginning when we started the work from home thing where people just didn't stop working until they had to eat and then sleep, right? You know, I think that's a definitely a really uh, necessary thing that we need to do today. Well, especially in some of the bigger cities where you're, uh, the homes are smaller, it's condos, it's lofts, <laughs> yep. your computer's right there. So it's so easy to say, I'm just going to check on that one little thing. But then you go on a rabbit hole. You've got to be very diligent with yourself or you can hit burnout so quickly and you'll be mm -hmm. of no use to anybody. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. I'm coming from New York. So I absolutely right. know what that, <laughs> what that feels like you're, you're living it right now. <laughs> um <laughs> So kind of coming back to the topic on uh, like women, right? So besides just flexible working, what other things can organizations do to, in order to increase women in the workplace? First off, let's explain to them why they have to. So bringing more women back to the mm -hmm. work is an $842 billion economic value to the U.S. There's tangible money and improvements to our economy that can be made by getting more women back in. And then let's go a layer under that for a company. It's There's enough longitudinal studies that have shown that diversity in the workforce improves returns for investors, consumer recognition, and net profits. And so as a company, you just need to have that diversity. As a nation, we need women back in. And so to get women back in, we really need to allow flexibility 
this is going to be counterintuitive. We need to allow flexibility for everyone. So flexibility does not just need to be assigned to males or females or to just females. It needs right. to be for a, a man to be able to say, hey, I'm going to skip out and go to my kid's Christmas party so that it doesn't always fall on the women. The other thing is we just mm. said three out of five women have nonlinear professional careers. So if you are out there in an HR department and you see that someone may have taken a gap, I challenge you to ask them instead of just judging them for their gap, listen to them and hear what they did during that gap. Most women have done something as volunteer work that typically would be paid for. So, for example, we had a BULO member who came on board. She had negotiated the Promethean boards, which are the smart boards, for her school district. Well, that's something that somebody absolutely would have been paid for. It was a significant contract negotiation. She worked it down so that it fit in the budget. That's something that you need to take into account, that the online job boards are not going to leave a space for people to put that. So just ask those questions. I see there's a gap. Tell me about that. What's your story? Right. That makes a ton of sense. Awesome. Well, this is all of the questions that I had. Any nuggets of wisdom that you want to you know, leave us with? If you don't have flexibility at your workforce, what we've found is that most people just leave their company without even asking mm. if they'll accommodate flexibility. So before you just bail on something that could be a really good thing, go to your manager and say, hey, what do you think about implementing some goals that I have to reach that would also allow me some flexibility to balance some of my personal needs? I think I will perform better. I think you will get exactly what you need out of me. And so go to them first, give them the opportunity to start thinking this way, and then make your decision from there. And I have one last question for you, actually. Okay. What is the one thing you miss in terms of like activity? Because I'm sure we've, you know, you just like me have spent a lot of time uh, at home. You know, what's one thing that you're really itching to do? Yeah, it's so funny because it's not that I can't do it. It's just that it's not the same. It's going into a restaurant and feeling the energy around me. So <laughs> I miss, you know, I'll go into a restaurant. It's at half capacity. It just doesn't really have that same feel and that same vibe as when there's right. a hustle and bustle. Oh, and the other thing that I would have to say is live music. God, I miss live music. Yeah, it's true. It's true. I, I'm not a big like concert or live music goer, but I'm really wanting to go. <laughs> That's right, because it's been taken away from me, right? Yeah, I'm, a, exactly. I'm a small venue looking at somebody playing live. It's just, oh, that's a great place to be. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for your time. You know, Where can the audience find you and your thought leadership? Yeah, so I'm on LinkedIn, Delphine, D-E-L-P-H-I-N-E, Carter. There's not a whole lot of us. And then also on Bulo, B-O-U-L-O, solutions.com. Awesome. Well, thank you for your time. Everyone, thank you for listening to Working With People by PaveStep. Feel free to check out other episodes on pavestep.com slash podcast. Thank you, Delphine. Thank you. Have a great day.